Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning. Why don't you go ahead and stand with us as we start our morning by worship. Christ is my firm foundation.
Evolving in pursuit of what you see 
actually right now just to take a moment of quiet together and to ask God who he may be putting on our hearts to invite for Easter. Whether it's a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member, just take a moment in the quiet and just ask God to reveal to you, to speak to you, who might be the people that he's calling you to invite for Easter this year. And after a moment of quiet, I'll pull us together. thankful and grateful for the heart of invitation that God gives us as we look forward to seeing people come to know Jesus this Easter season. And now as we go into a moment of prayer, we recognize here at All Shores that some of us may be coming in this morning and we are celebrating great victories and we are celebrating great circumstances in our lives. And if that's you, we want to invite you just to take a seat and to allow people to celebrate with you. But we also recognize that there may be people right now that are going through difficult circumstances as well. Loss of friends, family members, confusion at work, conflicts, all different kinds of things. And if that is you as well, I wanna also invite you to take a seat and know that we have people that would love to come around you and to pray for you this morning. So I invite you guys now to join together as we come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to be gathered together as a corporate body in worship and recognition and in communion with you this morning. May we never take this moment or this opportunity for granted that we are gathered together as a body under one name. 
And Lord, as we are gathered together, we recognize that there are needs and there are hurts and there are joys amongst those in our congregation. We know that there are those that are celebrating, as I said, great joys and victories. And we just pray that you will come alongside them and that you will restore and just continue to bring joy and comfort through those situations. But we also recognize there are those in our congregation that are hurting. We think specifically of the Barbrick and the Hanson families who have had losses of family members this week and so many others around who are hurting. And God, we know that you see us in our hurt and our pain. You see those needs. And we pray that you will just step in and provide peace and provide comfort. Wrap your arms around us, Lord, and remind us that even in the midst of those difficult moments, you are there and you love us. God, we know that we are not the only body that has gathered together in this community this morning. And so we lift up Emmanuel Free Church. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that they are doing and we pray over their worship service. We pray over their pastor. We pray over the congregation that their hearts and their ears would be open to receiving and hearing what you have for them this morning. And as we partner with so many people that are serving around the globe that are doing different ministries and different work and reaching the kingdom for you outside the boundaries of what we know and are familiar with. We lift up Marissa Noel as she is serving in Zambia with Choshen Farm. And Lord, we just want to pray for an abundance of harvest this year as they are working on their cooking oil pressing project and as they are growing soybeans to be able to provide for people in the community, not only spiritually, Lord, but providing for their physical needs as well. So we pray for an abundant harvest that you would be in and around their process and their preparation and that they are able to reach people as you are calling them to. God, we are just so grateful for this time that we have this morning and we pray as we go forth from this moment of worship and continue into the rest of our service as Pastor Pete will bring the message as we join together in communion that we would not lose a sense, Lord, of that you just wanna be with us, that you love us and you call us to you so that we can be in great relationship with you. And it's in the name of that love and that relationship, we pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray all these things in your name. invite you guys now to have a seat. We want to welcome you to All Shores this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Pastor Aaron. I'm the high school pastor here and thrilled to be so. If you are new this morning, welcome. We hope this service is a joy and a blessing to you and your family. If you are a part of the family and are returning, we are glad to see you again this morning. On the back of the seat in front of you, you may see some QR codes. That is an opportunity for you to get onto our connection card. And that is an opportunity for you if you're new or you've only been here a few times. That's our opportunity to connect with you, to get to know you and your story, and to walk alongside you as you are seeking to take steps in your journey. But even if you've been here for a little while and are still looking to get connected, to get plugged in or to take steps, we invite you to have an opportunity to use that connection card. Also this Sunday morning, whether again you're new or you've been here a couple times or you're looking to get plugged in, we are hosting our Newcomer 9 out in the lobby, which will be outside in our side little room over here on the left-hand side of the lobby. Myself, as well as a few other of our pastors and staff members will be there to greet you, just to get to know you and your story a little bit, to provide information, to answer any questions you may have about our church. So we hope you'll take advantage of that time where we just take a brief moment to connect with you. 
And now as we come to the point in our service where we give of our tithes and offerings, we wanna thank you for the faithfulness and the generosity of our body that allows us to support not only the ministries that we are doing here, but the ministries we are doing out in our community, throughout our different campuses and globally. So we thank you for that and know that there are ways for you to give digitally as are on the screen behind me, but there are also black boxes by the exit out in the lobby if you prefer to give that way as well. We continue to encourage those that are a regular part of our body to give, but if you are new or visiting here, know that there is no obligation to give. We hope that our gift to you is the service that we have in celebrating our Lord and Savior together. As we continue our time this morning, I invite you to turn your attention to the screens for what's coming next. Miscellaneous, okay. Uh, so what, what do we have left in miscellaneous envelope? Nothing. Nothing, where'd it all go? I, diapers. Diapers, since when does diaper money come Listen out? Listen up you two, we need to talk about Easter. Honey, we would love to talk with you about Easter, but mommy I and daddy are I'm sick of on you guys. Lucy, hi. Um, look, we know how important it is for you to invite our family and friends to Easter services. We've just been really busy lately. Okay, that's enough, big guy. Excuse you? Who are you inviting to Easter service? I need names, people. Okay, have you been letting her listen to sermons in the minivan again? Uh, sweetie, can you please just get off the coffee table? <laughs> Look, um, full transparency, uh, mom and dad don't really know how our friends would react if we asked them to go to church with us. People need the Lord. Really need a new nighttime playlist. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to be real sad. You're right. People really do need Jesus. Clearly now more than ever. We'll come up with a list of names, okay? Daddy, please try to keep up. Well. No, no, not Chris from work. Yeah, Chris from work. <gasps> It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Florida. There are a few corners of the massive state of California not feeling the impact. We have some breaking news out of Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in custody. U.S. officials say that up to 100 Ukrainians. Tonight, a battle to control the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. As Hurricane Ian is from the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in our Spring Lake campus, and what is the fifth week, the final week of a series we've titled Off the Grid, and in just a minute, I'll invite you to pray before we open the scriptures, but I want you to... Um, just have a little extra information today. You may see that I'm sporting this uh, very old cardigan with our church logo on it. We got this when we changed uh, names and 
rebranded. I thought, I'll be so cool. We'll get these pieces of clothing for all of our leadership and the board. And then we received them, and I realized someone put a large print edition of our logo on my sweater and on all of them. So you may notice, it's like, why is that thing so huge on there? And I go, I don't really know, but you can see it. So I thought I'd tell you, because I know you're going to be sitting there going, why did they get such a large logo? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to what we're doing today, but I just had to tell you, I was compelled to. I want to invite you to pray. But here's the, what we believe. We don't think I'm going to give you the right information or I'm going to persuade you. We think it's about revelation, that God ultimately wants to speak to you. And we hope as we open the scriptures, it kind of makes a conduit for that. And so all we ask you to do is pray in the quiet. Whether you're among us, whether you're watching online, whether you're watching later, and you're living with doubt or questions or skepticism, bring that to God. Whether you're in a place that you've been struggling or it's kind of nominal at best, you're asking, being honest about that. Whether you're growing or struggling, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus and with the life of the church, just communicate that to God and ask him to speak where you are today. You pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I pray on behalf of all of us and ask your spirit to speak to us. Whatever our disposition, whatever our point of need, what, God, whether it's comfort or hope or conviction or strength or simply your love, would you speak? And Lord, I ask that whatever I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I do pray, Lord, whatever is from you or whatever you want to do independently of what I say, would you speak? Let us hear, let us respond, and make yourself known and grow our love for the Lord and our love for others. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond and our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, in case you're not aware, spring break is coming very soon. And if you're in the era, I got it, one, woo. Last year, as I said it, you'd think that people were like, what, spring what? And yet, at least when I was growing up, spring break was a major time. And in the community I lived in, almost everybody went south. In fact, I hated spring break. I said that last service, and I said I hated spring lake. And I went, oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but there were some amens, which I was not really happy to hear either. It was very weird. Anyway, I don't. I hate spring break. So what happened was my, parent, my parents had no interest in going. And you know what that's like when you're growing up. You feel like everybody else goes. And back then, they didn't even really, they had some tanning booths, so maybe you could artificially do it, but that was about as far as it went for any help to feel a little less like you missed out, or at least pretend that you didn't miss out. Now, in case you don't know, and in case you're one of the people who's feeling left behind, there is a new website. It is called fakeavacation.com. <laughs> I kid you not, this is a real website. You can go to it, and you can even choose the location of your fake vacation. And I looked, I'm like, I wonder what location they have. So they're like Vegas... Uh, they have Hawaii, Dubai, Australia, all these other ones. I think Orlando is one of them. And you can literally make it appear as if you go. Now, the weirdest thing about it was two of them, it said they're out of stock. And I'm thinking, you're a digital fake vacation. How do you run out of stock? I still don't really understand it. They were out of stock for the Grand Canyon, and I can't even remember the other one. I'm like, that's weird. Was there a run on times to go to the Grand Canyon? You only have so many digital licenses. 
I know it doesn't matter to you, but it was weird. I just thought I'd tell you for no extra charge. But it is crazy how that meets a need because we all want to have a certain appearance to other people of what? Not missing out. We all live in such a world and a culture that just hates thinking something went on and I wasn't part of it. And we're in this series on technology, kind of looking at off the grid, but let's just speak to it in this way. Everything we're facing with the advances of technology are not things that are completely new, but they are exacerbating things within us and within our culture to a new level. In other words, they're creating more potential problems and strife in our lives And the problem that we are going to address today, the one that I think very commonly we all live with is called FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. And I'm not trying to give a a significant definition, but let me at least explain it this way to help us and guide our interaction over it. See, I think the fear of missing out is the worry that I will miss a significant event in life. And by missing it, my life will be less significant, important, impressive, and happy. And the reason I want to start here is can we agree that the kind of the coming of our posting our lives has created a new reality that brings a new sense of FOMO, a new sense of something about me isn't enough and something about them is. And crazily, there's been enough research to tell us that we like to post things that make us feel better because we enjoy the jealousy and the struggle of others. You're welcome. I just thought I'd let you know that, how pathetic we are. How it goes. It's funny to think about the things we do, isn't it, too, and the things we post, the things we want people to see, and even the way we create and craft images from it. I'm always amazed at the things that we post, and, and we're impressive. I, I just have to say this, and some of you may have done it. I'm sorry if I'm offensive, but it's true. So I love when people post vacations, and we somehow see their feet looking at a pool. I don't like feet anywhere, anytime. Seeing your feet does not help me, and it does nothing for me. Please don't show me your feet anymore. I don't want to see them. But I, I laugh at the things we put online and the things we want to show because we want to create an image and an experience. And it's funny the things we put online, the things we want to portray. And this can be true outside of it. We kind of portray an image, don't we? We put the highlights out. I mean, I see people put the wonders of their vacation. They never put the minivan ride and a little story that go along with that ride, that little gem that went on. There's things I show, and it's going to have to have a warning sign on it, like, your kids shouldn't hear this or see it. I mean, we all have struggles, but we kind of portray a better than reality, and what it does is it creates a fear of missing out. So let me say, technology didn't create it, but it definitely has elevated it, and we're going to look at that today, what that means scripturally, what it means in our own lives. And I want you to just consider two things when it comes to this. There are two aspects of what I think build this foundation and create struggle. The first is that we have the idea that highlights make my life important. In other words, what we do somehow makes us better than or worthy because of this really significant event or experience. And I always laugh at how much we spend more time posting than we actually experience it. I I love any time I'm at a concert and I'm having this great time watching the band, I look around and half the people's phones are up video recording it. And I'm thinking, you're not watching it, you're recording it. You're missing out on what's happening right now to get it on video so someone else later can see it and go, oh, I wish I was there. Meh. I mean, that's, that's how we live in these things. <laughs> we, were, we were walking this summer on the, on the pier, something that Jane and I enjoy doing, and I, was, I, I couldn't stop laughing because these people, you know, people come to our city to see the beauty of the lake, right? 
So these, there's a whole line of people sitting looking at the beauty of their phones with the backdrop of the lake. Does that strike anyone as odd? Like they're so preoccupied with the virtual reality, they're not living in the actual reality. And then we try to get pictures of the best part of the reality so others will feel like they're missing out on our reality and somehow we're worth more because we got to go here. Tell me that's not crazy. But then also tell me we don't all do it. And I want to face today, this is the reality. There's the what. And then the second part is very important too. It's, it's the who. Who's got to validate for us to be important? What do we look for others to see that will somehow think I'm okay as long as they validate? So it's the who and the what. And we're going to start with the who in just a minute. We're doing it in reverse order because I think it's more important to consider who you're trying to get the affirmation of before we get to why and what we do. And, and I just want to tell you this going into it. Um, as a person who struggled with pleasing people and the impact their voices have on me, this message, and I would tell you this whole series must have been a lot for me. So you've gotten to listen in in my own struggle and journey. And so even the passage I'm going to per- first take you to, both of these have had significant personal influence and impact on me in my struggle to go, man, whether it's technology or not, do you know in my job, I'm public. I, everything I do, I'm as, you're as good as your last Sunday. You know that? I love when someone comes to me and they'll even say, oh, it was great this morning. And then three weeks later, they'll come and go, you know, that message a couple weeks ago was really good, which is code for, dude, it was all right today. I don't, meh, meh. <laughs> like you, you realize public presentation is, like that for me is at the center of my job. So you realize I can start to worry about how my last show goes and my first show goes. And my, I know it's not a show, but you start to feel that way. And I would just tell you, we all have some of that. So if you're not a people pleaser and you don't struggle and you passed all this, then just listen in and hear from one. But I want you to know, this is a journey I have been taking, and I think I have something to say because I'm taking it, because I'm struggling in my own life with it. So where I'm going to take you Today, both those the things we're going to talk about with the who and the what are things Jesus said or did. And I'm going to take you to John chapter 5. It's a short section of scripture that Jesus is a bit correcting and rebuking. I just want to make sure you hear it is not me going, you guys shouldn't do this. It's me going, man, I have struggled with this. And when we get to the very last verse, it's the verse for me. I have probably in the course of the last decade regularly asked God to help me with this. So I just want to be clear, this is not, oh, you probably do this. This is, I struggle. I struggle with it in my own life, and I struggle with it even more with technology and the fact that it affords lots of feedback now in every direction. So we're going to start with the who. This is Jesus. He is talking to actually some very religious people, and he's going to challenge what and why they do what they do. So we'll take it one verse at a time, but I think there's some insights in each one. Here's what he says in John chapter 5. He says, you study the scriptures, and he uses the word diligently. In other words, you're immersed in them because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. (laughs) It's funny, he's saying to the very people that are studying the scriptures to know God that you missed the point. That's what he's saying. And, And can we agree in our lives of following Jesus, this can happen to all of us? 
I mean, it's funny. What he's basically saying is you're so preoccupied with what Scripture is, the written word, that you've forgotten everything in it is meant to point to relationship that you discover who God is. And all you're thinking about is how you appear to be living out what's in the written word. <laughs> you, I have a lot more friends that are in leadership in, in churches and ministries. So I always find it fascinating, and I have done this too. They lay their Bibles out in a little cup. They're like, click, time with Jesus today. Take a look at that. I'm so spiritual, I'm having time with Jesus today. Aren't you lucky that I'm having time with Jesus today? Now, you know that's weird, right? That's weird for someone to go, I want you to see how spiritual I am. Can we agree even in a circle like this we can do that? We can take those things that are good and we make somehow out of it, if people think and see I'm striving more, doing more, maybe they'll think more of me and that will elevate how I see myself, and the idea of even looking at Scripture. We talk regularly about wanting you to be in Scripture, and we keep pushing you. We want you to do this every day, but it's not so you just study the Scriptures dif dif diligently. It's so that you know the God who's revealed in them intimately. I'm going to say that again. We're not asking you to study Scriptures diligently. We're asking you to read Scripture to meet God intimately. Now, make no mistake, diligent study can lead to that, but it can also lead to its own ending. Now, that's a spiritual answer, but can we agree we do all sorts of other things diligently that somehow we hope in that we'll have life? Somehow we hope that in pursuing that, people will think well of us, and we've concluded that their opinion is validating to make sure my life is important and meaningful. That's where Jesus is starting. And he's gonna keep expanding on this even as he started with this place of Scripture. He says, following this, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. <laughs> Does anybody enjoy hearing that? Oh, I mean, Jesus is basically saying to them, listen, I know you, and what in your heart is not pure, and it's not even looking for God. You, in other words, we all struggle with how and what please us and want each other's encouragement and affirmation. And all Jesus is saying is, I'm not looking to you to validate who I am. I'm not looking to the people around me to figure it out. Like, it's crazy that he's saying, I'm not accepting glory. It doesn't mean he's not grateful for encouragement. It doesn't mean he's not glad when they're informed and impacted. What it very simply means is, he will not subject himself to their accolades deciding whether he's good or not, whether his life is meaningful or not. And make no mistake, there are moments where they cheer him on and want him to be king that they shouldn't, and there's moments where they want to take him down where they shouldn't. <laughs> In other words, he's not formed by their accolades, and he's not taken down by their dissension or discouragement of him. In other words, it's not what he looks to to say, who am I trying to please? Get the picture? He's going to keep going. I, I, I love this because he loves us, but he's not defined by us. Let me go on. He says, I have come in my father's name and you don't accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. I, I read this and it, at first I'm thinking, well, that was the ancient world. But I go, isn't, isn't this true of us? What do we love? We love a self-made story. Hey, you should trust me. I came up from a difficult circumstance and I overcame it all. And basically that's code for I achieve better than others 
they have the same chances if they don't achieve, it's because they're less than me. We love self-made people. We love to be encouraged as a self-made. Look at what you've overcome and achieved. And Jesus goes, why do you affirm that and not the person who is most connected to the Father, who is of the very essence the Father? You miss it because Jesus' agenda is not to help you think he's done it on his own. That's crazy, by the way, because he's the God of the universe. You do get that. He's basically turning this upside down on us. Man, we love self-made, and Jesus is saying, no, no, the way of God is to be made by him in submission to him and his affirmation. Get in the picture? Can we agree? I don't think I'm alone in this. And these aren't spiritual or secular. This is all of life. You can look for people to say you've made it well in everything you do. And this is not an affront to not working hard or achieving. It's an affront to where you get accepted and where it matters. Have you ever considered the end of the day going, do, who do I want to say to me, well done? Who do I hope sees it that way? Who is pleased with my life? And I'm gonna take you to this final verse now, which for me, this is a verse, like I keep this in front of me regularly. It's one that's buried in my heart and soul because I know my own propensities of seeking the wrong things. And this is what he says. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? <laughs> I, I mean, he's basically saying, let's pull back all the veneer. Let's pull back all the pretense. Can we agree that for the most part, we look for others to give us glory and say we're worthy and our lives matter and what we do matters? It's so funny. So in my life, as a, as a pastor, it's an interesting thing because I can go and sit alone and be with God. I, I even can have more time doing it than most of you get. And I can literally have a very revelatory moment with God. And my first thought is, I can't wait to tell people, not because even they need to know it, I can't wait to tell people so they'll be impressed and kind of think well of me for it. You can say it's pathetic. It's okay. It is. But, but can I be honest? Most of us pursue God as a transaction. What does God give me and what does he do to make my life better? And by the way, this is the same danger you have with trying to have people be your pleasing. What that will translate to is when my life goes well, I will say God has blessed me and done well in my life. I'll give him credit, but it's for my good life and the things I have. When life goes poorly, I will say, how could God do this for me and to me? Because he was supposed to. So what happens is in its good side, we become proud in the wrong way. And when it's bad side, we become broken in the wrong way. And, and I'll take it one step further because I have done this and I've heard it lots of times. God, you need to bless me and make my life great because when people think I'm awesome, then I'll tell them you're awesome. Isn't that funny? Hey, God, I know you're amazing and you're the best thing, but what people really need is to think I'm awesome and I'll, I'll give them a little nod your way and they'll be, because they're gonna like me and I think I can convince them to like you. You can say it's pathetic. You guys are just sitting there looking at me. I can't even tell. Like, that's sad, isn't it? Thank you. I like it. You're a mess, Pete. And I, I wish I could say it was only me, but I think this is true of most of us. I think most of us, we don't so much want to experience God as we want him to do things that we can experience to impress others. And 
Jesus is a good kind of resource for us. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying who you want to encourage, who you want to be valued by, who you actually seek to build that core of who you are and their encouragement and their affirmation needs to be the Father, not the created ones. And I, I love our community. I love all of us and who we are. I love the people we're reaching out to. But if that's my source of validation, I'm in trouble. And so when Jesus said these words, how can you accept the praises that come from people and not seek the ones that come from the true God? I go, ugh, I wish that weren't true of me, but oftentimes it is. God, I need you to be a transaction, not God, I want to know you and follow you and live for you. And if you're just one of those calculating people, just ask it this way, which would you want assurance from a bunch of people that are fickle and change, which we all do, or a bunch of people, or the God of creation who sees and knows and is the best thing there is. Like intellectually, we can understand it, but how we live is very different, isn't it? So for me, this is big. The who matters. And I'll tell you, whether it's technology, which is exacerbating it, or whether it's our own lives, we have to come face to face with who ultimately is deciding what is a life well-lived and who are we looking for to get that clarity? And what I'm telling you is it should be the Lord. And I can tell you as one who is confessing and transforming and seeking to live differently, I am convinced more and more that's just true. That's where I have peace. That's where I have purpose. That's where I have life. And I think if you ask the people closest to me, they'd say, yeah, you're on a good track. Still got a long way to go, but you're on a good track. Now that's the who. That's where I said I want to start let me move to the what now, this idea of the highlight reel, because we are a people that always say bigger is better, don't we? We love when things move more significantly, when it's a large event and things happen powerfully. And what I want to challenge in that today is I don't believe, this is my own take on it, I don't believe God is enamored by big major events. I think he is taken by something very different. And what I think it very simply is, is I think God has moved in how we live in the unseen day-to-day -day moments of life. And let me just give you a few examples just from Scripture on it. So if you look through the, the accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and you were saying, let's find the highlight reel. I'll give you one of them. Jesus takes three of his disciples away with him, the ones that are closest to him, and he goes on this mountain, and they're up there with him, and basically he is revealed in his glorified essence. So he's like he's shiny, he's majestic. They suddenly can see him as he really is. And Moses and Elijah show up with him. And they're chatting with them. We don't know what they're saying or anything. But Peter, in his brilliance, says, hey, we should build three altars to you guys. Bad move. And the father basically comes down and says, this is my son. Listen to him. And the others disappear. And it's a major event that he got wrong. That's what I want you to see. It's in all the accounts to kind of show us, hey, this is a great event. Totally missed it. But let me take you to something that's more of the where I'm getting along. I just want you to see when you look at the major events, the disciples didn't have their greatest moments a lot of times. But I also want you to know things like Jesus fed 5,000 people. Wouldn't that be a major event with no food there? That's a major event. And you'd go, man, that must have led to an amazing future. Well, guess what happened? After he did this, they followed him. And then he, he confronts, he says, listen, you're following me because you got your stomachs filled, not because you buy this. And then he offers them what it means to follow him. And most of them turn away and walk away. Because the big event wasn't what mattered. It was what it was supposed to lead to. 
I'll give you another picture from the book of Acts. This is after Jesus rises and the disciples are in Jerusalem and it says the spirit filled them as they preached. Basically, they just stood up in front of all these people that were Jewish and they said, listen, Jesus actually lived, died and rose again. You all blew it. We killed him and he shouldn't have, but God, he brings forgiveness and salvation. And they go, we want that. 3,000 people are filled with the spirit and their lives are changed. You know, that's a big event. But that's not what matters. Guess what follows? After that, it says, after this, they gathered every day in the temple and in their homes together. They broke bread. They listened to the teaching. They lived in loving each other in new ways and expanded his love all around. Moment by moment and day by day. Because the big event is not what defines us. It's how we live moment by moment and day by day. And I encourage you, you can read lots more stories about it. When Jesus is born, Anna and Simeon are two people that are applauded because they spent decades praying for his coming. They got to see it, but the, the thing was, they poured their life day after day, moment after moment, living this way. And there's story after story like this, that it's how we live, not how we have an epic experience. And so with that in mind, I'm gonna take you just to one simple image Jesus gives and I want to tell you this about it because I wasn't planning on using this as my illustration. And in fact, during my week, this was just something I experienced in my devotional time during the week. It's actually Luke's account, but I'm going to tell you Matthew's. Um, and so I wrestled. Maybe I shouldn't even share this because I'm not looking to tell you, well, God spoke to me and I have this. But I just couldn't get away from this. seems like it really matters for us. And I think it'll give an image and a help to what's this mean to live moment by moment and day by day. Now, before I, I share the illustration Jesus does in the story, I want to tell you just a brief thing about idioms in the Hebrew language and the Hebrew culture. Like, we have idioms in our culture, right? So you might say something like, break a leg. When somebody's going out to perform, you go, well, you don't really mean break a leg, do you? It has an idiom to it. There's something that it means. Or, uh, I, I quit cold turkey. What in the world does that even mean? <laughs> but it does mean something more than it means. It means you stopped right away, but you don't know it by the phrase. So we have lots of these. Well, in the Jewish culture, there was one that was called, you said you had a good eye or an evil eye. And when you had a good eye, it meant, and Proverbs gives more indication of this, but it meant very simply, when you had a good eye, you lived out of a posture of how can I give to others? How can I be generous in my love and life towards others? How am I a person that sees around me the things in need and I do good? Then an evil eye was considered a stingy eye that lived to promote your own wealth, your own advancement, and your own way of life at the expense of others. In other words, you're looking at what I can get, not what can I give. I tell you that because that's the picture that Jesus uses in this metaphor. It's a bit translated a bit differently to give more explanation, but the idiom helps. In this account in Matthew as he's teaching, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if you have a good eye, literally, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if you have an evil eye, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, he's giving an illustration and an image of how you can live in two different ways. If you go to Luke's account, he says it a little bit more significantly. Luke says, hey, listen, if you have a light, you don't hide it under something. You don't keep it hidden. The light is meant to shine and impact and influence those around you. Well, that's the image of a stingy life. If I have something good from God and I keep it to myself, it's for me. I'm getting from him for me. To live in a way that is generously loving 
is the way we dispense it out. We let that light shine. But make no mistake, we're not sending it out so others can see what we do. We're giving it out to reflect who he is to them, and they see his goodness, not us. In other words, when you're doing these things, you're not like, hey, I should take a video of this so people can just see how loving I am and the Lord Jesus. This is about revealing who he is. And let me illustrate it in a very simple way. Just pretend that God is pouring into you resource. And we'll use money as an example just because it's an easy way to think of it. Say God gives you $10,000. He's sitting down there and you're, he's pouring that resource into you. The idea of living this way is not I give $10,000. It's I give a quarter. Every person I interact with is another opportunity to dispense something of his goodness and his love. One little action after another which, by the way, fits this whole series because we learned with technology, it treats you the same way trying to get from you, which is one little scroll after another. Instead, it's now pouring out one little interaction after another. In other words, the way you live a meaningful life is unseen and unknown, but continuously learning to live with a generous heart in how I help and love and pour out into others, not how I get and keep for myself. Do you see the difference? You see how that's not a highlight reel? That's living in a robust way, moment by moment and day by day. We might say it this way related to the who. We, we learn to be with him. We learn to be built up in him. And then what we do is build into others for him. In other words, the way we build this life, a life of significance and purpose and meaning, is we lean into and learn to live in the presence of God. That's why our vision is all about us being people that have been with him. And I want to be very clear. You may struggle with this. Join us in that journey. I'm not telling you you just do it and it's great. There's lots of barriers we have. Even reading scripture for people can be that. But, man, it's a barrier worth crossing over and fighting through. And why don't we work at it instead of just go, well, you're just supposed to do this. I'll be fine. I'll go live for yourself. I am telling you God made us to be in relationship with him. And I still laugh at myself at how many times I can move towards having something significant with the Lord and then thinking, oh, I just, I just want to tell other people about it. Not that I don't want to share it, but I want to share it so they think well of me. How weird is that? Rather than enjoying the presence of God speaking, I want other people to validate it. You, you do see how, you can see why I have to pray this verse all the time. Like, you should keep praying this, Pete. We'll pray it for you. This is, we don't want to miss this. But it's a light where God, a life where God pours into us and we pour out. In fact, we might say it this way. We're going to move from FOMO to Jobu. And I know you all know exactly what I mean by that. You're saying, oh, sure, Jobu. I like it. What does that mean? It means the joy of building up. We're going to move from the fear of missing out to the joy of building up. We're going to move from I have to have some event or something that happens that others will be impressed with or I might miss out on to. I'm going to be so built in from who the Lord is that I'm going to have the joy of building up others one quarter, 50 cents, one interaction at a time by just how I love and care for and pour into. You want to know how to live a life of significance? It's living a life rooted in him and living a life that then pours into others. Tell me that doesn't... What I love about this is I don't care if you... If you don't think anything of Christianity, how can you not look at this and go, this just has traction? Man, if I weren't buying this at first, I'd want to buy it. Because that's who God really is. The God people portray is some other 
thing that's not who he is, this kind of power-driven we have to fight for. And you said, no, no. You anchor into who the Father is. You discover that more, that becomes your center. And by the way, the more that becomes your center, the more every situation you're going to want to pour out who he is so that they discover him, not so that they look at you and go, man, I, I needed that today. Thanks. You are awesome. Now, I know that's a hard journey. I'm not expecting us to just go, oh, thanks, son, I'll do it. One of the things I'm very aware of is most of my Christian life is a lot of confession and asking the Spirit to help change me, that I can't do this on my own. And so as a step of that, we've done this each week, we're going to read basically together a prayer of confession to finish up our time in the teaching. And I wrote these words, so it's my confession, and you're joining me, but I'm betting they're words that you'd pray to and want to pray. And so it gives us language to this, but we're believing God will do something as we pray this together. So I'm very simply going to ask you to pray this with me, and we're going to speak these words, believing God moves through those. So let's pray. Father, I confess that I often seek my value and approval from people. At times, I want my life to be impressive to others and to be well thought of by them. Jesus, forgive me for seeking glory from people instead of glory from the Father. Holy Spirit, help me, change me, and fill me, that I will be with the Father and built up in him. Help me to see with your single eye, to make deposits into the people around me, and above all, fill me with your generous heart of love, that I will love others for your glory and their joy. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And let me pray for us now together. Lord, I ask, as I did at the beginning, I don't know what you want to say, but I pray you would speak to each person as they need you today. God, if we do need conviction, bring it. If we need us to softening to know how much you love us and made us to be yours, bring that. If you want to speak something else, however you want to move, move among us, Lord. Just breathe life into us and continue to do it even as we worship and celebrate communion. I pray this in your name, amen. Let me invite you to stand. And we give space after we teach to worship and to celebrate communion, both of which are sacred activities that while we give to God, we receive from him. And, and literally what we're gonna sing about is the Holy Spirit giving fire to us, breathing life into us because you and I can't change this. I'm not telling you to work harder or try harder. I'm asking you to confess more and depend on God more. I have people say, boy, you sound like you're really needy and dependent. And I'm like, you bet I am. And I'm proud of it because I can't do this on my own. So what if we just ask God to move among us, to breathe? But make no mistake, while we're asking for fire to fall, it's so we live differently, not for a momentary experience. So we're gonna worship, we're gonna celebrate communion with this in mind. And God may speak to you in other ways. You just be open to what the Lord wants to do as we worship. So come and consume me. My heart is ready. Oh God, if I burn, I burn for you. With no hesitation. With no reservation, yeah, God, if I burn, I burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. 
Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I'm going to burn for you. Yeah. We want to burn for you. Each breath that I'm breathing, each moment I'm giving, oh God, if I live, I live for you. Yes, I love your presence, and you're my obsession. Oh God, if I live, I live for you. Yes, God, if I live, I live for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. Fresh fire, I'll go to you to desire. I'm gonna burn for you. Let me invite you to be seated for just a few minutes. Hopefully, you were able to get the cups when you came in. These have the elements that we celebrate at communion, what we call a sacrament, a sacred activity. It has the bread in the top and the drink at the underside of it. There's two layers there. We want you to know that communion is open to anyone who wants to respond today. We don't have a stipulation of membership. If it's a meaningless religious routine and you're not ready, there's no obligation. We don't want you to have to. We, we think this is the way Jesus meets us. It centers us. And he pours out grace in the midst of the sacred activity. It's a beautiful thing that we celebrate. It's a centering activity. And then the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said this is my body and it is given for you. His generous love, his self-sacrificial way is who God is. And it's how we find life too. We receive and we give. Let's take together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It's the beauty, it is the beauty that scripture teaches that without bloodshed, there is no forgiveness. And God himself poured out his own blood for us. For us not to live insecurely, for us not to live in constant need to attain and direct, but to receive. And from that, to give and love others. Let's take of the cup. And Lord, even as you're speaking, I pray you'll continue in part grace in part confidence, in part just a peace that you love us and help us to make you our aim and not others around us. I want to invite you to stand and we are going to sing about lighting the match, the Holy Spirit kind of burning in us. But as you sing it and ask for it, be reminded, it's not for a momentary experience, it's for help in how we live moment by moment and day by day, loving and living better, not to be seen, but in the unseen dispense love and know how much our Father loves us. Let's worship together.
We have lots of different reasons that we'll be led and directed and even decide to do series. And uh, this is one for me. I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I think there's a lot of clarity to do it, but there's two things. One is I needed it. By the way, this is the first Sunday I've left my phone in my office, and it's so peaceful. I'm just amazed. I mean, it's been a change for me, even that simple thing. But I am telling you, <laughs> I do appreciate it. At the same time, it's like... Our pastor's really achieving, man. He's not taking his phone everywhere. Good job. But I've also become convinced that this is one of our largest barriers to really being in him, that we've become so preoccupied and addicted, and even it feeds things that are unhealthy in us, that this is a barrier to being who God's made us to. So I personally am growing, but I'm also saying this matters because it's universal. And I think it matters for all of us. And the journey of Lent is a journey of self-examination that leads us to the cross and leads us to resurrection. So really, we are ending this journey going into Holy Week next Sunday where we get to enter what Jesus has done and what it means. And so I, I'll say, I want you to keep asking God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to say to me? What's inside of me? And make no mistake, what we just sang, needing his presence in fire, it's the best prayer can't do this alone, God. Can't change. Change my heart. Give me a hunger and a desire. Let's just start there. So I want to bless you. Put your hands out and let me just give you a blessing. Now, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. <laughs> may he reveal his love, his clarity. May he pour into your life. And may you step moment by moment and day by day pouring into others one little deposit at a time that brings him glory 
those around you joy and purpose in all of us. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.